Welcome to the first episode of the Evening Under Lamplight podcast series on Dante's Inferno. We'll be going through each of the 34 cantos, or sections, of this long story poem, taking us down through the nine circles of hell to the centre of the earth, and quickly back up again at the end. If you want some background on Dante and the Inferno, you can find lots on the internet. Start at Wikipedia, you can't go wrong. But now, here we go with Canto One of Dante's Inferno. Now, in the middle of a life full of busy activity, set in the year 1300, Dante Alighieri, a minor aristocrat in Florence, a celebrated poet, active in the fierce party politics of his city, suddenly wakes up and realizes that he has lost all direction in his life. All around him is a dark forest with no path to follow. The worldly affairs have made him forget what it's all really about. How to get out of this dark, frightening woods? Where to turn? Well, uh, up there, above that rising slope, he can see rays of sunlight. That will be easy, he thinks. Just keep going uphill and he'll be out of the woods. And so he walks upwards towards the light. But here comes a, here comes a leopard across his way. Time to alter his course and, and try another approach to the top of the hill. But then a lion appears, coming straight towards him, head held high and furious with hunger. Back off and try again. But again the way is blocked, this time by a she-wolf lean and hungry, walking slowly but steadily towards him. Now he turns around and runs back down the hill to where he started from. But, but now another figure is coming towards him, a man this time. Maybe he'll be able to help, though he, though he, he doesn't really look like a living man, more like some sort of ghostly figure. Yes, he tells Dante, I'm no longer alive. When I was alive back in Roman times, I was the poet who wrote the epic Aeneid. You're the author of the Aeneid? You must be Virgil, cries Dante. You're the poet I have always most admired and learned from. Can you save me? Ah, well, says Virgil, you can't get free by going up that hill. No, you have to go downwards first, always down into the dark before you can attain to the light. And if you choose to follow me, I will lead you down through the infernal regions, where you'll hear screaming and see souls in torment. And after that, after that, we'll go upwards to the top of the Mount of Cleansing. And finally, someone else, not me, will lead you up through the heavens. That's the way you must go, if you choose to be saved. It's always your choice all the way. Well, yes, please save me from this dark woods any way you think best. And so Virgil moves off with Dante following. Now let's have some thoughts about what happened in the story so far. Dante finds himself in these dark woods. He had been asleep, just going through the motions of his life, reacting to political crises, scrabbling to bring in more money, writing about poetry, language, and morals. 
but he had lost the awareness of his place in the community and in the world as a whole. The larger path had been there for him once, but now it was gone. Now he comes awake in a gloomy wood with no sense of where he is going. This is not just Dante's journey, but an image of the way the lives of each of us take the form of a journey. A journey means moving towards a certain goal. It's not just wandering around. Sometimes our sense of the larger journey becomes dim, but we may still be able to see where our next step lies, and, and this is enough. But if we can't even see our next step, then we're truly lost until somehow we awake and realize we are lost. We can't continue on our journey if we're asleep, not paying attention. Admitting that we are lost or asleep is the first step. And then we're back on our way on to the right path of the journey. But the right path does not lead us in the direction we thought. Not up the hill into the sunlight. No, we have to go down into the darkness. The darkness, let's say, of our own soul, our own unconscious, to discern what has gone astray there and into the darkness of the world outside us, the corrupt, broken society we live in. Only after we have taken this all in, only then can we start rising upwards. This awakening occurs, Dante says, in the middle of the path of our lives. In Dante's time, the traditional lifespan of a human being was reckoned as 70 years, so the middle would be when he was 35. And Dante, writing the Inferno starting in 1308, sets the action of his poem in the year 1300, when he was 35 years old, in the middle of the path of his life. But we can understand the middle as much more than just a mathematical calculation. The middle of an enterprise is any time that is not the beginning or the end. It encompasses all the mess in the middle as we make a journey or work on a project or pass through any experience. We meet someone special, that's the beginning. We lose that person through breakup or separation, divorce or death, and that's the ending. All the rest is the middle, the time when we settle in and are likely, are likely to lose our way. Then, at some point, we might wake up to our situation and find ourselves lost. W what am I doing here? I can't see where our relationship is going. What do I do next? This is the kind of situation Dante finds himself in at the beginning of the poem, symbolizing all these middle moments in the lives of each of us when we suddenly realize that we have lost our direction. And what better image for this moment in our lives than that dark and pathless wood? But I think there's more to this dark wood than not knowing what to do next. Dante says a few times here that it was a very frightening experience. I think one way we can see it is the panic we all can feel when we realize we're not in control. So much of our life is spent trying to control what's going on, trying to make sure people see us in the way we want to be seen, trying to get jobs done in the way we think is right trying to ensure ourselves against any disasters or misfortunes that might occur in the future. 
What happens, though, when we're overtaken by illness or financial crisis, an accident or a hostile attack, physical or, or just verbal? Would we realize then that in the end we can never be in complete control? We become aware that we're in that frightening dark wood of panic fear. All we want to do is get out of that wood. Where is the path that can take us out? Dante thinks he can get back on the right track if he climbs up that hill towards the sunlight. He knows that the sun signifies the pure divine light, just what he now desires. But he cannot get to the light simply by climbing up towards it. Those beasts, all the, let's say, inner impurities within Dante, block his way. Help comes not from his own efforts, though, but through the presence of someone who reaches out to help him. Virgil appears and offers him the only paths of the soul that will illuminate for Dante those places within him that he needs to become aware of and to then turn away from. And only then will he be in a fit state to start ascending upwards. We can never rise higher into the light, Dante suggests, until we have bravely gone through the darkness. Oh yes, and the journey will also illuminate the diseases of society and become a journey for each of us who read the poem. It's, it's not easy to relate all this, Dante says, but he will do it because of the good that will come from it. The good for him, but also the good for us, through the ages. The most frequent word in Dante's Divine Comedy is to see, because this is a vision of Dante's inner state, and by extension, the inner state of each of us. The poem presents a series of images, often in the form of short dramas, inviting us to connect to them and allow them to act as a kind of mirror in which we can see aspects, aspects of ourselves, and seeing them, we become conscious of them and better able to control them, so then they might lose their power over us. It's all done through sight. And a word about Virgil. Virgil was the great Roman poet whose epic poem, the Aeneid, or Aeneid, told the story of Aeneas, or Aeneas, the mythic founder of Rome. Dante regarded Rome and the Roman Empire as the great civilizing institution, bringing order to the world. More particularly, though, as part of his journey, Aeneas descended into the underworld, and so it seems logical that besides being Dante's great poetic master, Virgil should also be the guide through the inferno. Inferno means underworld, having already described that region in his poem. Dante will, in the course of his poem, pick up on many of Virgil's descriptions and expand them and give them a Christian context and tie them also into the context of Dante's immediate world of late medieval Italy. It will strike us as odd that Dante treats the Greek and Roman mythological figures such as Aeneas as just as real as historical people such as Virgil himself and as real as the soldiers and politicians and scholars of recent Italian history. 
it can make us question whether Dante cares about the distinction between real and fictional characters and places. Now, this is a modern question, probably one that Dante himself never asked. And as we go through the journey, I think we will find ourselves moving beyond this question, focused on more essential issues raised in the poem. The relationship between Virgil and Dante is one of the most fascinating aspects of the Divine Comedy, of which the Inferno is part one. And we'll see Virgil act as a guide and teacher, friend and protector, often sharply criticizing Dante, sometimes tenderly praising and embracing him, and sometimes mistaken or even defeated. And so besides the themes of journeys and middleness and finding oneself out of control, this opening canto also introduces the relationship between Dante and Virgil, which intensifies in the next canto. We'll see you then. <laughs>